0: Welcome to Paul Rudy's 52 Minutes With, a show that highlights some of the great folks of our community. Today I have the honor to spend 52 minutes with Mayor Deb Finan. Deb has been a proud resident of Champaign for more than 45 years. Deb lives in Champaign with her husband Chuck and two children, Carly and Catherine. A few of her hobbies include running, horseback riding, and photography. She has a passion to serve her community and to make Champaign a great place to live, work, and play. Well welcome Mayor Finan. I'm glad to have you uh, show up to my show today. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that want to hear about your background and your story, and as I call it, people's life journey. And none of us feel like we're all that interesting, as it turns out. (laughs) That's right. But the more that Ed and I record these shows, everybody that says that, I know he and I sometimes look at each other and go, wow. There's always something interesting in everybody's life, except for mine, probably. So before we get to where you are today, um, pretty much a lifelong resident of Champaign, was it?
1: Yeah, you know, we moved here when my dad came to go to law school at the University of Illinois. So I did have a brief stint in Urbana when he was a law student. Um, upon graduation, he and my mom bought a house on John Street in Champaign, and I've been in Champaign ever since.
0: I moved here when I was seven. Way before you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't I know. Uh, so I consider myself kind of, a, and I grew up in Urbana as well. And then, as I told my friends, I climbed the fence or the wall. I think it was in 1989 (laughs) (laughs) when they tore down the wall in Germany. I crawled over the one from Urbana to Champaign. Um, So you grew up, uh, and and Dad was, uh, was, he was in law school? He was uh, in
1: law school at U of I. So he was um, in the Army. He was stationed in Germany. Um, came back and came to Champaign Uh, he had actually taken the LSAT and was accepted into law school so as he came back from Germany our family came back we moved to Champaign well Urbana for him to go to law school and he um, is a local attorney and has uh, practiced in Urbana for my entire life
0: Well, now that you mention mentioned that, I'm an Urbana boy, and I always think of you as Finan, (laughs) but you go by Deb, sometimes Frank Finan, so that's the Frank, the lawyer.
1: Yeah, Steve Frank, yep, he's my dad.
0: Well, see, I'm already connecting some dots. And tell me about mom.
1: So, mom is Linda Frank. Most people know her as the longtime circuit clerk um, in Champaign County, and she was the circuit clerk before Katie Blakeman. And uh before that, she was actually on the county board. So I kind of grew up with politics. Um, my dad's law partner for a long time was Tim Johnson. Oh, sure. So Tim's first campaign uh for state representative, I don't even remember how old I was, but we had campaign stuff all over our house Um, he you know was really before computers Um, and so you know we were doing everything by hand hand addressing envelopes Um, my mom really organized all of that and uh, so I just grew up with it
0: that's interesting Um, I, I go back my dad really was pretty good friends with Tim's dad Oh, sure. uh, Oh, he was amazing. Terrific fellow. Great guy. And then then I went to high school with some of uh, Congressman Johnson's daughters and and children. So that's how far back I go by. Uh, Siblings?
1: Uh, I have one sister. She is seven years younger and is living in a suburb of Minneapolis.
0: Oh, wow. Exciting times up there. Yeah. (laughs) How is her reaction to uh, the suburbs of Minneapolis?
1: So, um, despite, you know, the current, um, horrific things that have happened in Minneapolis, I think she loves living up there. It's beautiful, um, community and, you know, it is, it is lake, the land of lakes, yeah. but I mean, it is like living in a state park all the time it's and Paradise. they do, um, the kids do a lot of snowboarding and skiing in the winter, which is something that wasn't available to them right. here. And, you know, they're they're at the lake every day during the summer.
0: So they turn, I've always said, uh, Minnesota and people in Wisconsin, they turn winter into another sport. Oh, just, yeah. We're just kind of two in between. We, don't, we just get all the torture of the cold, but none of the fun snow.
1: They've got a hockey player, a little one that's a hockey player, and they... Um, it's it's always cold there i mean i think they have like three months of summer is about it
0: it is we spend a good part of our summers up on lake millax which is about 90 miles due north heading up there tomorrow or saturday for another week Cool. I just i can't get enough of it. it's uh, in my wife's family so enjoyed that um so, you went through the product of the Champagne school system?
1: Yes, a centennial grad.
0: Okay, I have three centennial grads in my family. I have a central grad. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know how we reconcile that, but we seem to.
0: And in, uh, let's just go back to high school. What was your high school experience like? Where, what type of, what would people say you were? What kind of a, a student were you or a student member were you? Were you the, smart kid, the jock, the all all of the above?
1: Um, you know, I, I would say that I didn't work as hard as I should have in high school. My grades were good and they got me into a good college, but um, there were times where I would be satisfied with the B when I could have gotten the A because I didn't have to work as hard. Um, I was busy, I was involved in everything, so I, I was a, a varsity softball player. I was in, I did some uh, theater stuff. I was involved in student council. I mean, you name it, I probably tried it while I was in high school.
0: Yeah, and uh, did you get that and we'll get into your career, but hearing that dad's a lawyer, is that kind of where, what pointed you towards that?
1: So here's my story about that. Um, when I was, three or four I remember my dad studying for and taking the bar exam I it's a memory I still have today and I remember the day we found out he passed the bar and my mom and I decorated this huge banner that we hung Mm. for him to come home it was this big important event and from that day forward people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grow up and I would say I'm gonna be a lawyer and I it just I never thought about really any other career that from that point forward i wanted to be a lawyer
0: and has some of his temperament or uh the way he thinks and approaches the law is that did that have any impact on you
1: uh yeah you know i think i'm a a good mix of both of my parents um my dad is a incredibly smart um he's a really good lawyer I'm biased but he is and uh, and I think that he definitely passed some of that on to me I would also say that you know my my interest in public service and caring about our community and kind of your fellow man um, that comes from my mom who has just such a kind heart Um, My mom was a teacher's aide at Centennial. She worked with individuals with disabilities and in the special ed classrooms. And my undergrad was psychology and education, and I spent time in special ed classrooms. So I really am both my parents.
0: And your undergrad, where did you go to school?
1: I went to Mount Holyoke, which is in South Hadley, Massachusetts.
0: And how did you choose that?
1: Um, I knew I wanted to have the opportunity to be away. University of Illinois, as great as it is, was not my choice because I needed to live somewhere besides Champaign for a while. Um, and they sent me stuff, and my dad, was so excited, you know, sort of, I can't believe that they're interested in you, which sounds terrible, but it was a, wow, they're a great school, we should really explore this. Turns out there are many local alums because they've come to teach or their husbands have come to teach. And so for a small college on the East Coast, we have a, a local alum group and i was able to reach out to them and they did were able to interview me here locally for a school on the east coast and um i went and visited and thought i'm never coming home this is where i want to be
0: how culturally did did it seem a little bit different
1: uh it was yeah east coast is is different um i don't know what it would be like to to come here and not be from here right not be a right. townie there was definitely a you're you're not from the East Coast you're right. not one of us but it wasn't cold um, or harsh in any way it was just a a different culture than Midwesterners.
0: Well, did you find it easy to make pretty good pals and friends? Yes. Oh, sure. So they're pretty open. Even to people from champaign
1: yeah, Right. Well, and the college is only, you know, 3,500 people. So, I mean, you get to know just about everybody.
0: Did you want a small school?
1: I don't think I really thought about it. I, you know, I knew what the experience here at the university would be like. I mean, I I guess I don't know because I didn't go. Oh, I I saw you at all those crazy parties. You know, parties and football and all the rest. Um, But I... I just was enamored with um, what they could offer educationally and the setting in you know the Pioneer Valley in Massachusetts and it's part of a five college system, so I was able to take classes at University of Massachusetts, which is a lot more like U of I and I went to football games there um, I took classes at Hampshire College as well um, Smith College which is another woman's college in the system and then Amherst which is in um, Amherst Mass so there was a five college bus you could go between any of the schools you could take classes at any of the schools
0: Wow, that's unique that's pretty interesting it makes my uh background seemed a little bit boring to be honest about it. <laughs> and uh, you said you thought once you were out there that you know, you'd probably never come back, but obviously you did. So from there you went, what was your next step?
1: Uh, I went to law school. So I spent two years at uh, Chicago Kent College of Law and then in my last year at the University of Illinois College of Law.
0: And uh, why the change?
1: Uh the change was that my mom, who had been a county board member, uh, was appointed to fill an open uh, circuit clerk position. Somebody had, I think, actually had passed away, maybe had retired. I can't remember now. Isn't that terrible? And uh, her county board seat was open. And I knew I wanted to move back to Champaign after law school. And I knew I was interested in politics. So I thought, I'm going to come back and try to get her county board seat. Um, and that's what brought me back. I, uh, the precinct committeemen met. They actually picked me. And then it goes to the county board for approval. And the county board didn't approve it. <laughs> uh, they didn't like that idea very much. And so that I be, thought,
0: what, what, what would you guess might have been the objection?
1: Uh, pr- well... I could speculate. Age? Uh, I was pretty young. Yep. I was in law school and I was uh, a woman, which there were, I think, maybe one other Republican woman on the county board at that point. Got it. Um, I kind of didn't fit their old, old boy school right. mentality. And they had somebody who I think they wanted for the position. And so they were trying to angle to get the person they wanted.
0: Is it still done that way? Sort well, of? Well, i think the group.
1: appointment process at the county board is still yes if you, if there is a vacancy the party gets to nominate and then the county board has to approve i think that is still true
0: and so with mom and politics you know so many politicians are have law degrees um is it that memory of helping tim johnson and making big signs and all that is <laughs> all that combined together is kind of what had a natural interest for politics? I
1: think so. I mean, I went to a lot of county board meetings and sat and watched because my mom was on the county board. So um, it seemed like a great way to serve your community and be involved in building the kind of community that you wanted to live in. Uh, I would also say after not getting appointed, I decided I was going to run. And then once I decided I was going to run, there was no not doing it full tilt, right? I I was really motivated and uh Congressman Johnson would call and say, you know, how many doors have you knocked on today? Oh wow. And this was for this tiny little county board race, right? But, you know, have you raised any money? What are you doing? Um and so I was pretty motivated and he was pushing me. So that was fun and then I did win that county board seat.
0: So, would you say Tim Johnson was, would did he kind of act as a mentor to you politically speaking
1: sure at times he certainly has um it, you know over the years our relationship has changed he's known me since i was a little kid sure but um Sure. I would say as well, though, I mean, I would really emphasize my mom. I mean, she's the one that I grew up knocking on doors with. I would go out and campaign for her. She would take me to, you know, doorsteps for hours as she was out knocking on doors when I was a kid. And so I really learned everything from her.
0: And where do you think, Mom, you know, where did that where did she get inspired? Do you have an idea of kind of what led her down the path?
1: She worked on a bunch of campaigns. So I mentioned Congressman Johnson, but she also, um, Judge Fred Green was a campaign. Um, I think when he was running for the appellate court, I remember, you know, his literature all over our house (laughs) and my mom working pretty hard on that one. So uh, she worked on multiple campaigns and I think got interested in actually being the candidate herself and being able to have an impact. And so she decided to run herself and that was a lot of fun.
0: So you think if uh, it's kind of also a belief that look, if I'm going to live in this community and raise children in this community I might as well be involved and
1: yeah I think many people choose different ways to be involved and some of it's the role models you see right if you have a you know parents who are philanthropists or who are on social service boards things like that you grow up knowing that um, I grew up knowing that I could make a difference here through um, being elected. And so that was what I got interested in.
0: Is it just the idea that things could be better than they are at this particular moment?
1: I think that's part of it. I also think um, you can love your community and love where it's at, but have a vision on what you'd like to see it become. And I think that's a large part of it as well. I also think, you know, my certainly my viewpoints and my attitude have changed from the, you know, when I was 27 and first elected to where I am now. And I think sometimes also being willing to listen and to integrate people's thoughts um, on both sides is really important. And I feel like that's something that I can bring to the job that maybe others don't do as well.
0: Does it take uh, a certain level of thick skin to be in in, in, in all uh, levels of politics?
1: I would say uh, we should all have thick skin, but I'm not sure we always do.
0: Yeah. In this climate, do you, do, do you sense that today you know we always think as we always get older well you know we always think about the good old days and things are always worse today than they ever were do you think there's some truth to that or is it just just all of us getting older and it we always live in this fantasy land where things used to be better
1: i think it's different things are different i don't know that they're worse um and uh you can look back with nostalgia on, you know, I think about my childhood and it's very different than my kid's childhood, but it was also, um, you know, in the, I was in high school in, you know, the early eighties and, you know, the economic climate wasn't right. fabulous, sure. um, but I was pretty isolated from that as a kid. Right. So I, you know, I think you don't always have the full picture when you look back.
0: Okay, well, we're going to come back with Mayor deb Finan. i'm paul rudy's fifty two minutes with Mayor Deb Finan welcome back to paul rudy's fifty two minutes with and today it's fifty two minutes with Mayor Deb Finan. and uh we were just left off kind of how you got that start in politics and between the break I was mentioning to you you know i I think sometimes you've, you yeah know, i get the sense that you feel like, oh, this isn't that interesting, but to people like me uh I've been tempted to go into politics but I had a cer- I've always had a certain fear of it. My brothers to say, well none of us. <laughs> we shouldn't even run for dog catcher <laughs> with you know with the way we grew up in Urbana. Um but you didn't feel that intimidation.
1: I didn't and I think that's part of growing up with it. So I and partly also being an attorney um, all of the steps, the, you know, getting your petition signed and filling out the paperwork and knocking on doors and filing your petitions are all things that I was really comfortable with before I ran the first time, cause it was things I had helped other people do. Um, and so growing, growing up with it, uh, um, helped with that. But I would also say, Um, anybody who's interested out there should reach out, uh, not only to me, but, you know, if they're party affiliated, they can reach out to one of the political parties. There's always somebody there that's willing to mentor you and help you learn how to do all of those things. Volunteer for a campaign and figure out how it works and then run yourself.
0: And in the early days, you ran as a Republican. I did. And how would you uh, describe yourself as far as, political leanings, if any at all?
1: So, uh, City of Champaign is nonpartisan, which I have absolutely loved. It has allowed, I was always an incredibly moderate Republican. Um, And so it has allowed me to really move, you know, pretty far into the middle and, you know, even maybe a little bit left. I'm pretty socially liberal. Um, and so, I, you know, I just get to make the decisions that I believe are the best for the citizens of the city of Champaign and I don't have to worry about the party ramifications with that. I love working for the city because of that. County board got very contentious around party issues and that was not, to me, that inhibited good government.
0: Yeah, they seem a little bit dug in for, for, from what I can tell. Yeah. And so let's move a little bit into family and also want to get into the law, the uh, legal career. Um, Your husband is Chuck. Yes. And tell me about him.
1: Uh, So he um, works for State Farm. He's an attorney as well. Uh, He grew up in the Chicago suburbs Graduated from the University of Illinois, went out to lunch with his parents, and said, "Boy, I'll never be back in this town."
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've all said it.
1: <laughs> and then look what happened. Um, but he—he's a great guy, and really my rock. Um, you know, before coronavirus, uh, I basically was gone—you know, five or six nights a week. There was always something that the mayor needed to be at. And uh, he takes great care of our girls, and makes sure you know dinner's on the table, and that they're doing their homework, and whatever needs to happen happens. I couldn't do this without
0: him. Man of the year. So where'd you where'd you meet the man of the year?
1: Uh, I met the man of the year at a, a legal proceeding, a hearing. Um, he worked for Illinois Environmental Protection Agency, and I worked for the Illinois Pollution Control Board. I was sitting as a hearing officer on a regulatory matter and he appeared in, before me. Um, and it was a, a water regulation hearing. So we met there. He had a good friend who was going to law school at the University of Illinois. He was living in Springfield, okay. but spending a lot of time in Champaign and eventually a lot more time in Champaign.
0: It was a love at first sight type of moment, would you uh, say?
1: Yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah,
0: just kind of that look.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I uh, I was dating someone else who I wasn't dating for very much longer after I (laughs) met Chuck.
0: (laughs) Well, that's how it happens. And uh, tell me about your children.
1: Uh, I have two daughters. So I have uh, Carly, who is a central grad as of this year, and is leaving for Salve Regina University. She's gonna be doing um, historic pre- and cultural preservation and she's really excited about that. And uh, I have Kate who is 13. She is a dancer with CU Ballet. Oh, wow! And um, her big change, we have a lot of change happening this fall. She's gonna be starting uni as a sub-freshman so she'll be leaving edison and heading to uni
0: wow uh i guess we'll find out what happens right How yeah. <laughs> that, that works out and so you you finished law school you follow uh did you go right into law at that point
1: i did i went to work for the pollution control board oh, okay. yep
0: and then where'd you go from there
1: Uh, I went into private practice. I joined at that time. I think they were Nally Bauer, Jordan and Hassas or Hassas and Jordan. Um, their name has changed a few times since then, but I joined a group of women who were practicing law in downtown Champaign. So we were an all woman firm. Um, and how'd
0: you feel about that? Was I mean, that something that you just instantly were interested in or were you bipartisan? That just happened to be the <laughs> firm you wanted to hang out with.
1: Um, I really wanted to work with these women. I actively pursued the opportunity to be hired by them and I was their first associate and then later a partner.
0: Okay. And uh, how long did you stay there roughly?
1: Oh, gosh. Um... Like 10 years. I was there. I became a name partner. We, our firm has had many iterations. Barb Mann joined. Um, and then everybody besides me went on to other careers. So Tracy Nally, um, became a vice president at the News Gazette. Yes. Um, Wendy Bauer actually retired. Barb Mann went to the state's attorney's office to be second, um, in command in their civil division. She's running their civil division. Um, and I wanted to continue practicing law. So I approached Tumelson, Brian and Knox and, um, it was a good fit. They were willing to take me on as a partner. And so I was there for five years and within, um, last year and a half, I actually moved to attorney's title guarantee fund. I am their vice president for downstate operations. So I'm in their champagne office. Um, and I am working for them full time.
0: And what was it attracted you to that job?
1: Um, well, I did a lot of real estate work as a, a private attorney, but I, um, I was ready for a new challenge. I mean, if you look at the course of my career probably every five to seven years i've i've shifted what i was doing slightly still being an attorney but doing different things and you know this was an opportunity to be in an office with 45 people plus a company that has over 200 employees um and uh to to learn something new and challenge myself
0: and i think we all kind of know what it title firm does uh, but can you just give us a kind of a synopsis of it, uh, the, it must be a spectrum of things
1: yeah so I mean the the one that everybody really thinks about is really title insurance so we we usually close the real estate transaction when you go to your closing um, you used to go to the bank but now you primarily go to a title company that manages all the settlement statements and the payouts and those kinds of things. But we provide a product, which is title insurance, and that is that we go and we search the public record and we make sure there aren't any liens on the property and that the people who are selling it to you actually own it and have good title and that when you own it, you will have good title. And then we provide you with an insurance product to back up that search that we did in case there is ever any question about do you have claim to your property now, is and this a, is real property
0: okay is that a privately owned company is it a corporate you know just a po- <laughs>
1: it's a yes it's a uh well actually it's it's shareholders that are attorneys um who were members and who write title insurance and so actually i am a shareholder of attorney's title because as an attorney um i wrote uh title insurance with attorney's title
0: and that's a good business, isn't it? It is. Uh, I, yeah. I've known people that were involved in it as shareholders, et cetera. And I always got a feeling that that must be a pretty good business.
1: They are. And they're, um, you know, they're local. They were started by Byron Baalbach, um in the 60s in Champaign. Uh, I
0: knew Mr. And Baalbach. they
1: have grown to, you know, this huge corporation that, you know, it, they're, we really are Largest amount of employees are in the Chicago area now, but Champaign is its original home.
0: And being a mayor at the same time, tell me about that. Is that, uh, I mean, I I know it's considered, is it considered a part-time job? But It is. <laughs> but I suspect it's anything but.
1: Um, it is considered a part-time job and it is, uh, we have a full-time city manager who runs the day-to-day. I am kind of the chairman of the board of directors which is what the city council is um and but for as far as time i would say from march on it's really been almost full time i mean it's it is a significant job um my family at atg is very understanding about things like leaving to go <laughs> you know for a radio show or something like that yeah. um but i I, um, it's, sometimes it can be a hard balance, but I think that they are getting, you know, what they deserve of me as well. I can work evenings or weekends and I, I uh, go in early a lot or work through lunch to make up for that time.
0: So what kind of stuff, I mean, I think we all have a concept of what mayors do, but like what would be something you have to weigh in on and try to come to a conclusion on? and. Get a consensus. In
1: yeah, so that's changed dramatically since March. Is that um, because? You know, prior to March, I would say that my biggest job was um, working with council to come to consensus for issues that we were we were working on. I'd spend a lot of my day talking to various council members and you know trying to 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 work on issues before the city um since March uh, because the emergency order relating right. to COVID kind of... Oh, you mean the
0: one where you were going to steal everybody's yeah, guns? Yeah, I'm going to steal everybody's, everybody's guns. guns. I guess Yeah, you say I still steal.
1: haven't come yet for them, but <laughs> I apparently was going to. Um, but that puts a lot of authority in the mayor, and so I've issued a lot of emergency orders um that don't require... they They're sort of approved after the fact by council. Um, and so I am in touch with city staff every day talking about things that are going on Um, and I have also learned that in a time of crisis the mayor is the answer lady and I'm not complaining about that it's been kind of fun and interesting to hear from the community but I'll even get people from St. Joe saying I need to know this about my business can you help me Um, because everybody sort of sees me as the figurehead and the person who's going to be able to direct them to the right information.
0: And and I guess that's where they're just really reaching out saying, I don't know where to go, but if I go to the mayor, the mayor has to know everybody, the grand knower of all things. Um, Must be some major challenges right now. I mean, I can't imagine, I'm a business person, so i see challenges my business is a little bit different well it's a lot different than uh, some of the ones that are really challenged like the people in the hospitality industry restaurants that's where i'm tending to see most of the articles covering uh, the activity as far as orders and uh, trying to relax certain standards is that, that a fair way to say it
1: it is i mean we are trying our best to provide as many options as possible for people to be able to keep their doors open you know, recognizing you can have in-person in inside retail, but not a lot of people are yet comfortable with that. So allowing businesses to sell things out on the sidewalk, which we normally wouldn't do, or at least wouldn't do on a regular basis, um, or allowing our city right away to be used for tables and chairs for restaurants or bars. We are, we're trying to be as creative as we can.
0: I mean, it's kind of a, necessity for the town because without the businesses and their tax revenue, and it's a real risk. I mean, if you lose a third or 40% of the restaurants, which I know people that are uh, really tied into that at a national level. And one of them told me, he said, Paul, 40% of restaurants are going to go away. It was tough enough to make it. So that, you know, that gets then to the challenge of, um, you guys must be sitting around talking about where are our revenues going as a city. Um, is that a frequent conversation? Is it is it evolving quickly?
1: Uh, it's been a nonstop conversation since March. I mean, so our budget year began July 1. We started this budget $8 million down from where we thought we would be. We ended the last year's budget, June 30, um, about $2.5 million down. We had fund balance to that could absorb it so we were able to kind of get through that fiscal year um, but we're going to have another budget meeting in September October we'll have to make additional cuts to the city budget there's no doubt
0: and that has to be a hard transition I mean everybody's got their deal uh, I I, I don't envy you going down that path but someone's, someone's got to make the right the hard calls
1: well so there are three of us who were on council in 2007. Between 2007 and 2011, we cut $11 million out of our budget okay. because of the last recession. Um, many of those positions are things we haven't added back. Right. Um, so there isn't. A whole, there isn't a whole lot left with it before the public will start seeing a reduction in service i think the last time we did it in a way where things might have been slower but we generally stepped up and the public didn't see much difference in how the city operated i don't know that that will be true this time i mean it's these are going to be deep cuts but I also think that we have staff that is very thoughtful about how we're doing it. I think there are opportunities for innovation. I mean, we're, we're all doing things differently because we're working from home right. and we have different employees working on things we probably would have never thought to have them do, but you know, we're, they're picking up things from other departments. Um, we are gonna have to be innovative and I think we have the staff that can help us do that.
0: Well, I think it's going to be tough and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, as a business person who really isn't knowledgeable about city budgets and such things. But I automatically think, well, if you have to cut the budget 20 percent, you just kind of cut it across the board 20 percent. But it can't be that easy.
1: Well, you say that until you want to. You know have the snow plow down your street and i tell you it'll be tomorrow you know or you know whatever it may be leaf pickup or any of those things or it might be something serious you know we we had um we had increased the food and beverage tax because we are we actually are down police officers and council right before all of this had talked about increasing by six police officers that the money that we expected to raise was about six million dollars and we're now eight million dollars in the hole we're not going right. to be able to hire six police officers clearly but um our calls stack and people if it's a non-emergency thing people are not getting you know immediate service and that's frustrating for citizens but it all costs money
0: okay we'll get back to that i'm this is 52 minutes with paul rudy and mayor deb finan we'll be back after the break welcome back to 52 minutes today i have 52 minutes with mayor deb finan um before the break i kind of made an offhand comment about the one uh was it not a proclamation it was a an order the emergency order. The emergency order, order yeah. where you took a lot of heat for that um was there anything beyond heat involved in that
1: um you know luckily nothing serious ended up happening but um you know the local questions i didn't mind i i i welcome anybody to challenge the decisions we're making and you know i regularly give people my cell phone number and i'm happy to talk to anyone but um it was on a national scale because we were one of the first communities to issue the emergency order you know after that everybody kind of did um, and we were actually, even before Governor Pritzker's um, closure order, and the NRA decided that we were going to kind of be their test case because, you know, our, decla- our disaster declaration, which is taken straight from the statute, um, includes language that is really, I think, for tornado type disasters, right? Sure. We can seize your property, which includes guns. We can tell you you can't go back to your property because it might, you know, there might be power problems or whatever it may be. Um, and the NRA um, really was concerned and upset about that. Um, so that got elevated to a national stage, which then I started receiving death threats. Um and really ended up having to talk to CPD. It turned out most of them were from, you know, out-of-state and out-of-town places, and no one ever followed through on anything, but I had a lot of vitriol on Facebook, a lot of direct messages on Facebook, a lot of fake accounts that were coming after me, Um and, you know, we ended up having to have an alarm system installed at home and, you know, be a little bit more careful for a while. I'm pretty casual in this community, I feel pretty yeah. safe, and I don't worry about that stuff, but it it was a hard time for a while.
0: So, my sense, I told you during the break, I said, I, you know, I, I think it, it's, it's getting a little more dangerous in this town. I don't want to highlight that too much. Uh, and I only say that because I have this weird habit of listening to a police scanner throughout the night. It's my white noise. And you mentioned that calls were getting stacked up, and it did, it does seem intuitively like that's going on. Do you think am, am I imagining it, or are there more shootings in the last few years than there were in prior periods?
1: So we've we had we have had some down times over the course of the time that I've been mayor, and we've worked pretty actively to try to address gun violence. But um, this summer has seen an increase again. Um, I don't know exactly what to attribute it to, although, you know, we are seeing younger shooters, and my guess is kids with not much to do and access to guns is a large part of the problem. Um, the city had been planning to have a program that we were going to be doing with the school district. Um, that it's a family and children program where children were identified by, um, they had to meet five criteria, things like suspensions from school and, um, low income and, um, I, I can't remember all of them, but, you know, problems in school, uh, and, if the child was identified, then the entire family would be eligible for services. We would wrap around siblings, we would wrap around parents. We were gonna have um, social workers on staff. We were really gonna try to get in there and make a difference for some very specific families in our community to try long term to get at the root of these problems. It, it is likely going to be a casualty of the budget crisis because the city was going to put about a half a million dollars in, as was the school district. Um, I haven't given up hope yet. I'm not willing to say that we can't do that program. I'd like to find the funds or find grants that would allow us to do it because I think it's incredibly important. Um, but right now the budget crisis is creating a, you know, a, Uh, making it harder to directly impact the violence issue. I do know our neighborhood services department is reaching out to property managers at some of our hotspot properties, and we will be convening neighborhood meetings and trying to get them involved as well so that we from uh, the ground up can take back these neighborhoods and properties, but it's not easy.
0: There's just some areas in town that aren't safe. I mean, and and it, it seems, yeah, I'm just glad I don't have to live there. And I always feel for the people that do. And I always wonder, how, how does that get changed? I don't know.
1: Well, and we have, you know, Council Member Foreman lives in Garden Hills and talks openly and regularly about her concerns about letting her young children play in her front yard. I mean, we have a voice for that community on council who is advocating strongly. Um, we have to see change.
0: Do you see as mayor and being involved in the community and some of the causes you're in things that you wish you didn't see things that truly make you sad as far as, you know, uh, stories of neglect or abuse or, or tough times or.
1: Yes, there, there's no doubt. I will tell you that, um, for me, the hardest, one of the hardest days maybe the hardest day of being mayor was attending the visitation for david sankey who was um, a high school student who was shot in his front yard um in garden house and i um that was a it was just heartbreaking heartbreaking um for his family Heartbreaking for the other students who were there who knew him. Um, what a horrible loss of life. I mean, every loss of life is horrible, but um, we, we have to intervene and make a difference for kids um, before they hit high school, um, before they graduate from high school. We, we really, as a community, have got to um, change the course for um, our kids and I know our district just passed like their 10 point plan on racial equity and that's a really good thing because our African American kids are have a v- lower graduation rate than anyone else in the schools and we we have got to help with education, we have got to make a difference.
0: And is part of that difference more charter schools by chance?
1: I don't know how okay. I feel about charter schools and I haven't thought about that a lot because I'm not on school board. Um I suppose if another one were presented that'd be something that I would get more information about.
0: Okay. It, it I mean it's a, it's a little bit of a hot topic. It's not it's not something I'm particularly knowledgeable about, but I always I always wonder if uh if more people might have the option if they don't like where they're being educated, if they had the option to move, but that's kind of moving political, and I don't want to go that way. Yeah, well, and I I think it
1: also is, um, it depends on what the charter school is that's being proposed. Is it to help underserved black kids, or is it to help gifted white kids, you know? So I think it really depends on the proposal.
0: And, you know, you mentioned that we gotta get to these kids earlier. I interviewed Sam Banks for a future show just yesterday, and Ed can tell you that was his theme, he said, you kind of mentioned we gotta get to these kids when they're eight. And I said, is there something magic about eight? He said, well, no, not really. The earlier you can get to them, the better. So the people that are actually on the front lines and are witnessing what's going on, there seems to be this universal agreement that you can't get involved in certain situations too early. Uh, I agree. And and there's probably a point where all you can do at that point is is, is moderate and try to keep it fenced in. I, I don't know
1: you know we have a goal getters program that is um at the high schools and it started as a summer program a couple years ago the idea was we're going to identify kids who are sort of high flyer kids likely to get in trouble the summer maybe shoot or be shot and we gotta stop it from happening uh city worked with the district um sheldon turner worked with the kids and um they had a lot of mentors that came in and they really taught leadership and responsibility. Um, We, that program turned into a full year program. It's now um, in the schools during the school year as well. And as those kids have graduated, um, I have worked with individuals locally and raised funds. We have money at the community foundation for them to be able to go to Parkland. they're older kids, they will say to you, I wish this program existed when I was eight, <laughs> wow. you know, well, that's, or that's... how do we help my brother who is 10? Or um, I think there is a recognition that we we really need to be making a difference.
0: And in the few minutes we have left, where um, where do you see yourself going on the political spectrum? Do you have aspirations to go
1: I really higher? don't. Um, Despite how hard it can be at times, being mayor is the best job in the world. And I love this community and I love what I'm doing. And, you know, you as mayor, you get to solve the immediate problems a lot of times. It's the pothole right in front of your driveway or whatever it may be. I think at the higher levels, it becomes hard to really make a difference in people's lives. And what I like is that day to day, I think I can help you solve your problem.
0: And if you weren't doing what you were doing, both from using your legal background and your job uh, and mayor, was there something else you would be doing if you weren't doing that?
1: I would be a photographer and I would probably, you know, be like a photojournalist and work for, you know, Newsweek and travel the world and take pictures. That's what I would love to do.
0: Well, that's great. Um, what do you like to do outside of work? And well, to say outside of work, I'm going to include the, being the mayor.
1: You know, I spend uh, a lot of time at community events. I think I probably would anyway. I'm a people person and I like to do that. Um, photography, horseback riding, hanging out with my kids. I spend a lot of time at their events. Um, and I have a really good group of friends that it is amazing to spend time with i get to just be deb i'm not the mayor when i'm with them
0: and uh when you have a daughter going into high school does that cause you any emotional stir or is that just a non-event
1: uh you know she's daughter number two i'm excited for her opportunities i'm a little more focused on daughter number one who's well, headed to college true. for
0: the first time. <laughs> I guess that's probably uh, the one I'd worry about.
1: Uh, yeah, but uh, but yes, we have a lot of change and a lot of excitement. I'm excited for both of them.
0: Well, it sounds like you have a close-knit family and a Mr. Wonderful Husband. We'll I do, yeah. I guess we could all take lessons from Chuck. <laughs> and, well, I think we could spend more time together. Or maybe we will another time. But uh, for now, I think I've used up Ed most of my 52 minutes. So... Thanks for listening to Paul Rudy's 52 Minutes with Mayor Deb Finan. Deb, I've enjoyed it, and we'll have to have you back some other time.
1: Thank you.